most parents start teaching their children to apologize at a, at a young age. Uh, for most of us, if, if you have more than one child, it begins with telling one child to say you're sorry to the other child, right? For hitting them over the head with a bat, right? Say, come on, say you're sorry. Uh, and Julie and I, when we were getting ready to be parents, we did like a lot of you. Like we read all the books and uh, went to all the Bible studies about being a parent. We wanted to know how to be a parent in order to figure all that out. Learned a lot of great stuff. Uh, but one of, one of the things we, we held on to and, and we tried to do when our, when our kids were younger is not just say you're sorry, but, but we would have the, the, uh, the offending child to, to, to ask the other child for forgiveness. Say you're sorry. Ask your sister to forgive you, and then when the sister came conscious after being hit in the head with a bat, we'd say to her, she had to respond, I forgive you. And you sort of did the, went the whole circle there. Say you're sorry, ask your sister to forgive, and now you say, I forgive you, and then hugs all around, let's go eat ice cream, that sort of thing, after everything was all, all said and done. And that's, that's easy when you're a kid. Right, this whole "Will you forgive me?" Yes, I forgive you. Uh, it, it's a great habit to get into to kind of train the hearts of our kids. But let's be honest; it's a lot easier to do when you're four, um, when the offense is somebody took your cookie, right, or somebody accidentally pushed you down. That's kind of an easy one. Yes, I forgive you. Then we become adults, and and it's not cookies anymore, right? And, and it's not accidents anymore either. I mean, that's part of the hard thing about forgiveness when you're an adult is that uh, we, we, we get really hurt as adults. We get betrayed. We get wounded and not accidentally sometimes. And sometimes it's, I mean, it's calculated. It's intentional. It's planned to wound, to, to cut to leave a mark, to make a statement. And those are, those are harder to honestly say, yeah, I, I forgive you. Um, when you're a kid, the next day, everybody's sort of forgotten what happened. They've forgotten the cookie incident, right? They, they forgot that you pushed me down incident. You move on to the next day when you're a kid. Nobody's in therapy today because their sister stole their cookie, right? If so, like you need some coping skills, really, <laughs> if, if you're in therapy for that. But as an adult, it's not a cookie. And it's not an accident. And, and we're both adults, and, and we get wounded. And again, like I said, sometimes it's, it's intentional. And that doesn't go away in 24 hours, does it? Therapy or not, it doesn't go away in 24 days. And sometimes it doesn't go away in 24 months or 24 years. It's there. Which makes Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6 so hard to say. Because... 
two-thirds of the way, three-fourths of the way through this prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus says, you're to pray this, and you're to pray it a lot. You're to pray it often. Maybe every day is what he intended. You're to pray, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus slips forgiveness right into the middle of this model prayer that he gives to us. And he doesn't leave it at that. Once Jesus is done giving the prayer in that next sentence, he comes back to this point in verses 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Like, Jesus wants to clarify, no, I'm really serious about verse 12. It's not just a nice line about forgiveness. I'm telling you, the forgiveness that you get from God is related to the forgiveness that you get to other people. And that's kind of a hard verse. Just a a minute of explanation. It, It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that in order to have that initial salvation forgiveness that I have to forgive everybody in my past and I have to forgive everybody in my future, that would be working towards our salvation. I, I don't think this is talking about how we get saved, how we receive that initial forgiveness at salvation, but we all know we need ongoing forgiveness because we continue to sin. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Uh, I think he's saying, look, you're in relationship with God. That's why you're praying to him consistently consistently you're a part of his family and sin in the life of a believer has consequences sin unconfessed sin in the life of a believer means that my relationship is is not as full as it could be it's not as powerful there's not as much joy in my relationship because i'm carrying around this sin in my life and jesus says one of the sins you can carry around that will affect your relationship to your heavenly father is the sin of unforgiveness because to not forgive someone is to live in sin so jesus says look Your relationship, the health and joy and strength and power is tied to your willingness to forgive other people. So forgive in the way that you get forgiveness all the time from God. You dispense forgiveness in the same way. So if that's true, my next question to God is, all right, what's the bare minimum that qualifies for forgiveness? And maybe I'm the only one in the room, but when, I, when there's a real issue of forgiveness in my heart, that's my, okay, God, if I have to do this, how do I just clear the bar and get over this line of forgiveness? How do I qualify, but not too much, I just want to do what I have to do to qualify for forgiveness? Just kind of spell it out for me. Bare minimum, that's what I'm going for. The problem is, God never deals in bare minimum about anything. God never, Jesus in his ministry never said, okay, here's the least you can do to be my follower. He never does that. Because what God wants for our lives is not the bare minimum. God doesn't want to just, God doesn't want us to just barely get over the forgiveness bar. God wants to set us free. God wants to set us free from bitterness 
and, and anger and resentment and wounds and heartaches. And you don't get free by saying, oh, God, what's, what's the bare minimum? How little can I like this person and get away with it? God doesn't want the bare minimum from you. God wants you to be free from whatever that was, whatever was said, whatever was done. And I'll be, I'll be honest, for me, I'm not sure I know the moment that I forgive someone. I, I don't know that I'm always consciously aware of, okay, it just happened. Okay, that's gone. All right, I'm free of that. All right, I'm not bitter about that anymore. It was this day. It was this moment. Maybe that happens for you, and if it does, fantastic. Maybe it's happened in my past. I just can't think of a time where I knew day and moment. All right, forgiven. I've done it. They're, they're, they're now for, forgiven. Forgiveness for me doesn't tend to work that way. What, what I can know, what I am conscious of in my own life, I'm conscious of when I'm in the process of forgiveness. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm conscious of when I know that I'm working towards forgiveness and when I know I'm not making any effort towards that. I know that part of me. I'm not even trying. I'm still so angry. I'm still so bitter. I'm not even trying versus, I don't know if I'm there, but I'm, I'm, I'm stepping. I'm in the process. So what is, what is it? What is it like? I, I, I thought I would talk about what forgiveness is not for just a minute. Let's, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not pretending nothing happened. That's not what Jesus is trying to get us to do. He's, he's, he knows how we're made. He knows that that doesn't help. To pretend that nothing happened a year ago, six months ago, five years ago, whenever it was, something did happen. I mean, that's why we have to forgive. Because something happened and it hurt. I'm not just ignoring it. I'm not just saying, well, that never happened. Never going to think about that again. That's not possible. Forgiveness is not pretending that what happened was good. Well, it all worked out. Like everything, everything turned around and God used it. And all that may be true. I mean, God does use bad stuff in our lives and molds us and shapes us and makes us better and matures us. It doesn't make that thing that happened good, though. I, I don't have to pretend that that wound was actually some great thing in my life. I can acknowledge that hurt. But it's not going to define me. And God is going to do good in spite of that thing in me and in my life and in my relationships. Forgiveness is not eliminating consequences. It's not eliminating the natural consequences that come from bad decisions and wounds and heartaches. Sometimes those consequences do happen to the person that did the thing. Now, I would say that even though forgiveness is not eliminating consequences, forgiveness does mean I'm not going to take part in those consequences. 
Like, I, I, I'm not going to help bring about those consequences. I, I, I'm not going to push those consequences. I'm not going to exacerbate those consequences on that person. That person has to deal with that. God's going to deal with that. I got to deal with my forgiveness of this person. If anything, I'm, I'm prayerful. I'm, I'm sincerely hopeful that whatever consequences there are, are, are shaping that person into a better person because of what they're walking through, because of their decision. I, I sincerely hope that there are good and godly and spiritual changes that are happening in that, that person. But I, I don't take joy in the consequences that they're experiencing. Which actually, I hate that point. Okay, I, I want to take joy in someone's consequences who's wounded me. And you laugh, you do too. Exactly. You do too. You know what it's like to sit there and hope they get theirs. Yeah, that's not forgiveness though. I mean, that's not Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us like we forgive other people. Like put those two together. God, what you did for me, I want to do for other people. Um, forgiveness is not. Depended upon the number of wrongs I've experienced by a particular person. Forgiveness is not dependent upon the number of wrongs I've experienced by a particular person. I think it'd be hard to find this principle anywhere other than God's Word. Because this, this doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 18. And Peter comes to him and says, Jesus, like, seriously, spell it out. How many times do I have to forgive the same person? Seven times? Because that's a lot of times. That's a whole lot of them betraying me and me Forgiving them, seven's a big number. Jesus tells this story um, about a, a person who owed a debt, a financial debt. And this person who owes a financial debt, and he owes, uh, according to Matthew 18, 10,000 talents. Now, some of you were here when we talked a few months ago about the, uh, another parable that involved talents. A talent was... Somewhere between 16 to 18 years of annual wages. Uh, 16 to 20 annual years of annual wages. So 10,000 talents is 200,000 years of annual salary. So Jesus is obviously exaggerating. He's saying, look, there was no way he was going to pay this off. It was a huge debt. There was no way to get out of it. He, he, he couldn't even make a dent in it. And the person he owed the debt to forgave it. Let him walk away. All of that. And they let him walk away. And then that person went out, and somebody owed him 600 coins. So 200,000 years of annual wages, 600 coins. And, and he didn't deal in a forgiving way toward that person and ends up getting punished. Jesus' point is, look, you've been forgiven an enormous amount. Why are we talking about seven times? God has forgiven you a debt that you could never pay yourself. You can't put a number on that. Just forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Lastly, in the not category, 
Forgiveness is not dependent upon the other person apologizing. And I will say more about that in just a moment. For now, I just say I hate this point too. So what does it look like? If it doesn't look like that, what, what does forgiveness look like? Um, uh, just to be clear, I, I, I'm not suggesting that forgiveness is like this linear process, step one, step two, step three, step four. So that's not what these are. This, this is just a description of some things that begin to happen in us when we're in the process of forgiveness. Uh, for example, number one, I must release the other person from debt to me. I've got to... I've got to deal with that part of me that feels like I'm owed, and you may be owed, and I may be owed. And we might could justify why that person owes us whatever, apology, reimbursement, uh, um, uh, building back up the character that they took from us or that they attacked from. We could come up with all of these things that we owe, we are owed by that person, but the process of forgiveness as a part of that is me coming to a place where I can say, all right, they don't owe me anything. Jesus in Matthew 6, 12, he uses this term debt, forgive us our debts. It's a financial term, just like in the parable we talked about. Forgive us our debts. In Jesus' day, if you owed a debt, there was a written notice of it, like you were given this, you, these are your debts. This is what you owe. It's not that different today, right? When, when we owe a mortgage, we get a statement regularly. When you, when you have a, a car payment, you have a book of payments. You have a written notice. If you, you have a credit card debt, you get notice of that. You are in debt to us. And it's a great feeling if you've ever paid one of those off, right? When those notices stop coming. And you send the last coupon, you make the last payment, and you don't get that statement anymore. Jesus is saying, this is, this is the way forgiveness is. That written notice, hey, you, you owe me. That person owes me. You and I have to release them from that debt. And what we think they should do to make it right. What they must do because of what they did before. They owe me. We say, maybe they do. Jesus isn't arguing whether their debt is fair. Jesus isn't arguing whether you're uh, unreasonable to expect that. Jesus is just saying you've got to cancel that if you want to forgive. You've got to stop living for the moment when they pay you back in the way that you think you need to be paid back. Second, I must give up feeling anger or resentment or bitterness towards someone for what they did to me. I release them from an expectation that they're going to do something for me that's going to make this better. And then I've got to deal with my emotion over this. Not that my emotion is misplaced. Not that my emotion is even unreasonable. It's just that my emotion isn't moving me towards spiritual health and emotional health and relational health with the other people that are in my life. I got to let it go. I, I, I think it would be very difficult to find a situation where anger and bitterness and resentment 
produced long-term positive results. I mean, I'd love to see that case study. Where, yeah, this guy just stayed angry for 10 years, and look at what a great person he became. Like, this woman was bitter her whole life, and people just loved being around her. I signed up for her small group all the time, because just all this bitterness came out. I've never seen it. And I know, in my humanity, I know it feels justified, and it feels good. Like, it feels good. It just doesn't produce a healthy spiritual life, personal life, emotional life. Even if you're not a believer, listen, it doesn't produce, produce healthy relationships. To hold on to anger and bitterness, even if they're justified from a human perspective. And may, maybe in the short term, like I get fired up and I get motivated and I go to work hard and I prove them wrong. You extrapolate that out a year Two years, ten years, that's not going to produce healthy stuff in your heart, in your life, or mine. Next, forgiveness means, I must give up seeking the person's harm and sincerely desire that they change for the good. Must give up desiring that they have negative consequences in their life. They, they, they have harm in their life and sincerely, prayerfully desire that, that they do change for the good, which, which is not the same as, well, I hope she learns her lesson. I hope he gets what's coming to him. This is hard, but it's getting to a place where even if they never say it to me, that person becomes more Christ-like and more godly and better able to manage relationships in their future than the way they managed it with me. I sincerely hope this change takes place in their life. I'm going to pray towards that for them, even if they never come back and say it to me. One other thought. I must be open to the restoration of the relationship when there has been repentance. I must be open to the restoration of the relationship when there's been repentance. And this is, this is tricky on a number of, of levels. When we have been seriously wounded, it's difficult to restore and re-engage that relationship. Can it be like it was before? Maybe. Maybe. Can it be like it was before if that thing in our past is is never handled and brought into the light, it's doubtful. It's doubtful. Because then we're both just pretending that it's not there. I, I'm, I'm trying not, hard not to make stuff up in this message. Jesus, in his teaching, gives kind of this weird both and. Because sometimes, like in Matthew 6, 12, Jesus speaks of forgiveness with no stipulations, like with no but. And then other times, Jesus brings this idea of repentance, or we might call it an apology. He brings that into this equation of forgiveness. Here's an example, Luke 17, verse 3 and 4. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. 
even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. So in this passage and others, Jesus ties forgiveness to repentance, which I really like because then I can hold a grudge until they repent, right? That's, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think this, I think this both and means I am, I am responsible for my heart towards them. I am responsible <clears throat> for my emotion towards them, for the anger and bitterness that I feel towards them. That's on me. And I got to forgive and I got to let that go. And I got to sincerely hope that they grow and they learn and they become a better person, whether we ever get reunited or not. At the same time, without some acknowledgement or, or ownership of what happened, it's difficult just to pretend like nothing happened. And Jesus says, look, if they sincerely come to you and apologize and confess, repent, whatever word you want to use right there, if they come and do that, the responsibility is on you to begin to work towards relational reconciliation. But without that, it's hard to just pretend we're friends again. And, and, and I, I think the Bible is honest in our humanity there. And you may see this completely differently. We can talk about it afterwards. I, I'm trying to find where Jesus is landing with complete forgiveness and forgiveness based on repentance and confession. And I think it's the relational aspect. Because I think that's the way God deals with us, right? I mean, God offers forgiveness towards us, but relationally... We get disconnected when I've sinned against him and I haven't confessed it. And there's a breakdown in my relationship to him. We talked about it earlier. The joy, the power, the, the communication flowing freely between me and my heavenly father is broken when there's unconfessed sin in my life. And I, I think it's analogous to our relationship to one another. In this process... One of the things we have to remember is that forgiveness is the gift we give ourselves. It's not really the gift we give somebody else, although it may become that. Initially, forgiveness is what I give myself so, so that I'm not consumed with anger, bitterness, resenting. It's, it's, it's not I, I'm letting that person off the hook. That's what it feels like sometimes. It's not that I'm saying, well, they didn't do anything wrong. No, forgiveness is what I give me because without it, I'm going to be eaten up from the inside out. My heart is going to be affected. In order to do this, you and I must believe that when God commands us to forgive He's asking us to do something that's for our own good. We have to become convinced of that. God has never given a command that was for our harm. Never once. 
God has never given a thou shalt or thou shalt not, or a do this, or this is the way I want you to pray. God has never one time said something to us that was intended to harm us. And we have to believe when God says, like, I want you to forgive. Yes, that person. Yes, that incident. Yes, that particular thing. I want you to forgive that. And I'm telling you that, and it's for your own good. So stop holding on anger and bitterness and the past. This is for your good, God is saying. Then also, we must remember the cross. If we're going to be able to do this, this is like superhuman here. This is not something we're going to do naturally. We've got to remember what happened on the cross. Jesus lived his life, and all throughout his life, he's offering forgiveness to people. As a matter of fact, that's what gets him in trouble. Because the religious leaders are going like, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is forgiving a paralyzed person and forgiving a prostitute. And he's just pronouncing your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus is betrayed and beaten and tried and convicted of false charges and hung on a cross and left to die and In the middle of a torturous six hours on the cross where he didn't have a debt to pay. So you know what they put on the cross? They would put on the cross whatever your debt to society was. If you were a murderer, if you were a thief, whatever your debt was, that went with you on the cross. This is what this person's paying for. There was nothing to ride on Jesus' cross. So they just put, get rid of Jesus because he wasn't paying for his debt, he's paying for our debt. And as he hung there, paying our debt, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He, he, he didn't say, God, I'm going to need about six months on this one. I'm going to have to work through this. It's going to take me about a year to get through all this emotion. I'm going to forgive them, but I'm going to need a little time, God. Jesus, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, blood down his side. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, I'm forgiven now. I'm forgiven now. I'm forgiven now. And when I slide, when I slide my betrayals, and my hurts and my wounds up next to the cross. Boy, there's no justification for my bitterness and anger and envy. There's no justification. When I slide it up to Jesus hanging on a cross, saying in that moment, Father, forgive them. I have no foundation to stand on to come before God and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Not, not because of, not for that person and what they did to me. How do I say that? Is there, is there anything more contradictory than receiving the forgiveness that poured out of the cross for myself and refusing to give it to someone else? I don't think so. Look, I, I, I wish we could snap our fingers and we just forgive everybody. 
I wish we could snap our fingers and anger and bitterness just would just be gone. I wish we could. We're, we're not Jesus. We are human. But this is what I know. And this is what I think you can know. You can know in every situation, in every betrayal and wound of your life, you can know, God, I'm, I'm moving in the process of forgiveness. I, may not, I don't know if I'm there yet. I may not be there yet or I'm not there yet. Because of the cross, I can't hold on to my unforgiveness. Let's pray. God, this issue of forgiveness is heavy and difficult and painful. And most everybody here has got a story. Most everybody here has got a wound, something in their past, a person that come to mind this whole 30 minutes I've been talking. I've been thinking of that one thing. God, help us to slide that one thing, that person, that event. Help us slide it up to the cross here at Easter week. And remember that Jesus died so that we could forgive. Jesus died so that we could be free. And he doesn't want us to live in what happened back then. He wants to heal us and make us whole. And Sometimes it doesn't happen in a moment. But give us the courage and the grace to to step into the process and keep moving forward in the process to keep releasing bitterness and envy and anger so that we could be right with you. So we can know the fullness, all the joy, all the goodness that you want for our lives. Set us free. Set us free. I pray it in Jesus' name. You know where you are in this process and, and who that issue is with and, and, and what needs to be released. And I don't know that you need like a drawn out, hey, come forward and do this thing and write something down. I think you just need to do what I have to do. You just need to say to God right now, I'm going to keep moving in this process. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving in forgiveness. And do that. Just keep moving. As we, as we move through Holy Week, as we move toward Easter next Sunday, well, this is a beautiful week just to start giving that up. Letting Him make you free. Letting Him make you whole. Whether you get an apology or not one day, you're supposed to be free. So let it happen. Invite our ushers forward. Take an opportunity to worship in our giving, to honor God in this way today. If you came prepared to do that, thank you. If during the service you felt like you want to be a part of the ministry here through giving, we welcome that. God, pray you would take what's given, help us to use it wisely. Multiply it for your kingdom and many would come to know Jesus. 
In Christ's name, amen.